welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. All right, so this morning, I know last night, we already talked about it, that Charlotte just blew your mind, right? So um, she's going to continue to do that this morning. So she has an amazing message for us this morning, and I can't wait to hear from her. So let's welcome her up again this morning. Charlotte, come and preach it. Good morning. How are you? Okay. Where are my zone row owners? Who is? See, that's what I'm talking about. That right there is every pastor's dream. Isn't that right, Pastor Rob? If you had that every Sunday, you would say bring her back every year, right? Because that's like the dream, you know? I, you know, sometimes, you know, you need to give me an ah. Oh. Because I'm going to tell you one of my hardships now. So I feel the sympathy in the room from you. Ah, oh, thank you. One of the hard things sometimes as a preacher and a teacher is that you can get envious and jealous because you watch everybody in worship giving it big licks, as we say in England. <laughs> like, 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 yeah. And then you get up and they're like, mm-hmm. It's like, hang on a minute. The worship dudes get all that great response in the room. All the whoop, whoop and the cheering and the yeah, yeah and the arms raised and the come on God and the amen and then it's like, hello, I'm just me up here. Just little old me. I have no backing singers. I have no guitarists. I have no drummer. Thank you. So, You know, feel a little for the preachers in your world. Feel a little for the pastor in your world who every week gets up here faithfully, week in, week out, been praying, studying in the Word. Learning, growing so that they can feed you. And just imagine if you were in that position, just imagine as a mama in here, if every time you brought dinner out of the oven, there was a standing ovation. Seriously, your kids stood up and went, excuse me, everybody, it's time to stand. Woo! Go, mom! Go, mom! You're the best! You rock! Without you, we would have no nutrition in our life. You are awesome! You are! We are not worthy of such a great mother! This is awesome! You would be like, you'd be like, I am cooking every meal in this house for that response. Well, you know, as teachers of the Word, we cook up meals all week, and then we serve them out. And it's not a complaint, but I think it is a good thing for us to think about that when we are receivers of the Word, there's something inside of us that should say, good, amen, that tastes good, that's helpful. Because when you respond, the food goes down inside of you better. When you respond, it's like you're swallowing something and saying, I agree with that for my life, and so I'm going to digest it into my system. And amen is like you say, "Mm mm-hmm. Mm, when it's a good meal. So I've heard that in Minnesota, you're kind of quiet, kind of reserved. Well, you know, in England, we have lots of reserved people, but not on my watch, because I own my zone, okay? 
All right, so we're going to have a great morning, and someone's going to give me a clock because you are going to be really glad if I have a clock. There it is at the back. I just saw it. And uh, resources I mentioned, hey, I'm going to do, uh, we have these, uh, my husband goes nuts with me for saying this because I'm such a blonde, but it's a stick, okay? I know there's a technical name for it. I don't know what that is, but it's a stick in a pretty case. And this amazing stick shoves somewhere in your computer. And <laughs> when you shove it somewhere that it's supposed to go in your computer, like 22, 23 messages pop up so that you don't have to go home with a big pile. Now, you can take home a pile if you want. We do it that way too, old school. If you're old school in here and you're like, give me the CD, give me the case, give me the box so I can file it in my system, you can be old school or you can be new school. I really don't care. But you can do either one of those. But these are like packages that we put together, which are great if you're a pastor, a leader, maybe a cell group leader, because you can do studies off these with your girls. You can, you can share it around. You can um, borrow these messages from one another by just handing on this stick. So that's a great great thing to invest in. I know it's got technical, but it's a stick, okay? <laughs> it is. Um, and I mentioned books earlier. This book is a book I wrote called In Her Shoes. You know, we've got to learn to walk in other people's shoes. There's way too much judgment in the church and not enough understanding. And it's because we look at people from our shoes instead of walking a while in theirs. It's very easy to judge someone when you don't know what's going on in their world. And you know, in our church where we are pastoring, we have huge inner city ministries. We have huge ministry into the red light working area where the prostitutes are in our city. Massive outreach work into prisons. We actually have the keys to three prisons in our, in our vicinity. We're that trusted with the prison work that we do. And we do, go in there and do services every week. We just had only uh, last week after a big outreach project, over 98 prisoners give their life to Christ and still counting. And uh, my husband went only just on Wednesday and baptized six guys in the high security prison, in the prison. And so we believe in getting in people's shoes. Before we expect them to come to church, you need to go to them. And, you know, you need to talk their talk for a while and hang around them. So this book talks about how Jesus did that. That's why Jesus touched lepers, because no one else would. Because he knew he would break a barrier by touching them, that, that speaking the word to them would not. And he would enter people's worlds before he would ask them to change. That's why he would say to Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house because I want to walk in your shoes for a while. And I just think it's good for us to remember that sometimes. Before we start going off on one, we need to remember to walk in people's shoes because one day somebody walked in yours and that's why you're here. So there's some good stuff out there that I encourage you to get. And then after this session today, I said to the team, I don't know if you like this or not, but some places people like to do this. I'm going to do some book signing after this session. So if you have a book or pick up a book because it's a great way to meet people and it's a great way to like say hey to people. It's not about, you know, get a celebrity signature or any of that nonsense in the church. But you know, sometimes it's just nice to say hi and I'm a girl and I like to say hi. But I have to warn you about my book signing. I write everybody their own individual different message. Okay. So it just takes a little while. Okay. So get your latte, get your cup of tea and then I write you all a little message for you to take away that I believe, you know, it's just something that will bless your world. And so everybody's is different, and I know you're going to test me on that, and you're all going to check your writing, so, you know, maybe a few words might be the same, but, you know, at and the might appear in a few of them, but I'll try, okay? So if you want to do that afterwards and come say hey, then we'll do that in the break after this session. All right, well, last night we learned to own our... Soul. 
Okay, and that is fundamental in everything that you're going to do in your world. That, that Remember that hula hoop. Remember that picture of owning your zone. And today, I'm going to help you get over some stuff. Say to the girl next to you, just get over it. <laughs> just get over it. It's time. It's way, way past time. You're just going to have to get over it. So today, I'm going to talk to you about some things that you're just going to get over. But I kind of want to begin with painting a picture, really, of the power that every single one of you in here possesses. Now, you might be sat in here thinking, I don't feel very powerful. I don't really have much responsibility. You know, I don't really feel like anybody has empowered me. You know, or whatever you might think when I say that. But the fact is that God created you with great power inside of you. He resides in you. His power is in you, but he also designed you and created you to have great influence in this world. You know, as a woman, you have great influence. Whether you own your influence or not is up to you, but the fact is you were created by God and your DNA is wired to be an influencer of people. Women are amazing, incredible influencers, sometimes for the good and sometimes for the bad. But either way, you have influence. So you can't sit here today and say, I don't have influence. I don't have a badge. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a leader. By design, you are an influencer. You are a woman that was created by God to come alongside the man. Eve came alongside the man, not under him, not him lording it over her, alongside together to work in partnership together. And her role, was to be someone that would help him, to influence him in a way that would help him get the job done, to work in partnership with him. And woman was created to be, in her very DNA, a doorway for new life. Talk about influence. That's a lot of power, to carry a child like our big, round, jolly bass player. She rocks. I am so having my photograph with her later. <laughs> like, I'm just collecting pictures of this church. They might not be the pictures you want, like those boys last night are now down as the leadership team of this church on Twitter. But you know, you can do that when you have a Twitter account. And so, you know, all those fluorescent guys, people think that's your leadership team. And you know, it's <laughs> awesome. And, and so I'm just going to take a picture of her and say she ate too many pies. And <laughs> And you know, the fact is you were created to have this influence, to be someone that brought forth life. You know, there is an expression, isn't there? That if mama isn't happy, nobody has. Ain't that the truth? Why? Because mama has influence. Mama has a power to influence her zone by the way that she is wired. Women are influencers because we are connectors. Hello? We, we just kind of gather people. Like, men just don't do that. Like, you know, you don't find any men going, oh, it's the break in a minute. Do you need the restroom? <laughs> no, not really, but I'll come with you anyway. <laughs> Boys don't do that. They don't go to the restroom together. But we do because we are connectors. We like to do everything together. And we go to the bathroom and we carry on conversations in cubicles. <laughs> Have you ever got in the middle cubicle of someone's deep conversation? 
For real. It's like, ladies, I am in the middle of your deep conversation. I don't know you, but we're all using the restroom and you're talking about this guy and this situation. It's like, really, seriously, could you not just wait till you're all done with your business? But no, no. I mean, why should going to the restroom stop a great conversation? I mean, we're connectors. We like to, you know, without us, let's just be honest, without us, there would be no Thanksgiving. <laughs> There'd be football, but there would be no turkey. Without us, there would be no Christmas. There would be no family coming over because the guys are like, why bring more people to eat my food? <laughs> What's up with that? They can drop the presents off and go. We are the ones that want everybody involved. We want nobody left out. We want to make sure everyone's okay. We save seats for each other. <laughs> the dudes don't do that. Can you save me a seat for Sparkle? <laughs> no, find your own seat. And we laugh about something that is so everyday, we forget the power in it. See, that's the problem. The things that we do every day, just by routine, we just think, well, that's just the way I am. Yeah, but you've got to stop and understand, inside of just the way you are is a God design. God designed you as a connector. God designed you as a nurturer. God designed you as an influencer. God designed you as someone that could pull together all kinds of people, that could rally people together that could say, hey, let's do a baby shower and all these women flock together. There's such a power in you of influence and yet you don't even realize it. But I need you to know this morning, if you don't realize it, I'm telling you there is somebody that does. The enemy knows that you have the power to influence people. He knows that you, as a woman of God, have great influence in your DNA. And I'll tell you how he knows it. Because if we go back to the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis, when the enemy wanted to get a plan out of the pit of hell to ruin God's creational plan for our lives and for the future of all generations, he did not think a long time about where to start to put a seed. He didn't think, should I talk to the giraffe? He didn't think to himself, you know, should I try and mess up something in the landscape? He said to himself, who has the greatest influence over Adam? Where's the influence that could get to Adam? See, he knew that if he fully frontal attacked Adam, Adam would know this is not good. Adam would be aware, you know, guys are aware when things are in their face, in front of them, guy, the guy thing kicks in. that about? I don't know, but it makes them feel good. So if the enemy had came that way, Adam would have taken care of it. So the enemy, you know, don't think the enemy's dumb. The enemy was like, okay, I know how to get to Adam. I know that there's an influence that God created in that garden and her name is Eve. And so the enemy came in the form of the serpent and whispered in Eve's ear, knowing that whatever landed in Eve's ear would travel into Adam's ear. 
And he put a thought in her as an influencer that she carried through to Adam and said, Adam, why don't we have this apple? Adam, knowing it was something he should not do, was so influenced by Eve that he agreed to the sin that she helped lead him into. So don't tell me that the enemy doesn't know that you have power. Because if the enemy can bother you, he can also bother all the people attached to you. If the enemy can get you upset, he can spread the upset far quicker than putting it in the heart of a guy even. Hello, gossip. Gossip is an amazing thing. I mean, you know, you just tell the right person in your church, don't tell anyone and everybody will know. You know, we, we, because we're connected, because we spread, because we are in contact, because before you have got to, you know, deal with it in your heart, you're having coffee with someone and you pass it into theirs. And when coffee's finished, you're in the playground at the school with the kids and you've talked to three other people about it. And before you finish there, you're at the grocery store and you spoke to, because that's the way we are. And so the enemy knows what he gets on you will travel. I need my helpers up here. I'm going uh, I'm, to, I'm known in several circles as the prop woman. I know it's a great title to have, isn't it? But I found that sometimes visuals help you stick things in your brain like you're not going to forget the hula hoop. And, and, you know, have you ever been to a department store? Ever been to a department store? And you have all these people lined up in, let's say, Nordstrom's, because that gives me happy thoughts. <laughs> Love me some Nordstrom's. You know, they're all lined up when you go through the door. And, and their job is to find an unsuspecting person that has just come out for the day. And their job is to get what they are carrying on her. So they spray their fragrance all over. And by the time... I don't know you, but I just enjoy this bit. That's good. You know, by the time you've walked through the cosmetics department... You were wearing at least three fragrances you didn't set off with that morning. Because their job is to get whatever they're supposed to be selling on your skin. Because they know that you travel. And wherever you travel, people are going to go, what's that smell? Oh, I don't know. I got this sample. Somebody sprayed this on me. And it's going to travel to you with your home. It's going to travel on your skin to all the places. And so they want to get what's on you out of the bottle onto you. And the same is true with Satan. When you set off out of your doors in the morning, he is ready to put stuff on of your life that will travel with you into your day. Disappointment, upset, anger, frustration. He's ready. He's armed. He just wants you to come through the door, even though you might have decided you were going to wear something else that morning. By the time he's finished, he would rather you wear what he has in his hand. You can sit down, girls. See, some of you, it works this way. You came to conference, and you know, your husband's watching the children, and you know, you came last night, and he's watching the kids, and you were like, in the prayer time, the worship time, and oh, Jesus, you're awesome, you're wonderful, and everything's great, and then you get home. <laughs> and you only asked for three things. Feed the children, bath the children, and clean up after the children. Sit. Then you can watch sport all night. It's all I ask. Not much. Just a little request because it's Moi's time to go with my girls. 
to the women's conference. So you come out of the cloud of glory. <laughs> and you arrive home. And he's asleep on the couch with the remote control in his hand. And there are pizza boxes all over the place. And there are dirty dishes in the sink. And it starts to get on you. Oh, yes, it's on you. The glory cloud has lifted. And as you pick up the pizza box, and as you wipe down the counter, you are wiping the floor. Wait till I speak to him in the morning. And you think, okay. And you go upstairs, and it just lands on you. And you're in bed, and it's festering on you, and you get up in the morning. And you're not even aware that you are now wearing a fragrance called, I'm mad, I'm very, very mad. <laughs> and so you get up on time for your conference, but you realize he's overslept, and so you have to get up and do the kids' breakfast as well. You would think, wouldn't you, at a women's conference, he would bring you coffee in bed and say, honey, have a great morning this morning. Just want to start your day right. I've got hold of the kids. I've got taking care of it. You just have a beautiful, wonderful day. Don't even worry about me. Here's 20 bucks to buy something in the boutique. I mean, you just go for it. You knock yourself out because you are just like the most amazing. I mean, that's what you wanted. You just, you know, it was in your mind. That was the tape you were playing. But he's snoring, he's rolling over, he's annoyed that you're getting up and turning the shower on so early and the lights are on and the hairdryer's going on Saturday. Uh, and the kids are saying, Mum, we're hungry. And you're like, oh. And so you get downstairs and you're buttering the toast. And you're saying to yourself, if your father had got out of bed this morning, I wouldn't have to be doing toast. And now I'm going to be late for my conference. And I only go once a year. And you know what? I never get out of this house and I'm always doing things. But you know what? I'll do your toast. And, and, and here's your toast. And the kids are like, I just want toast. Not toast with dad on it. Just toast. And then your husband comes downstairs. Have a great day. You're like, oh, well, you're a great day. And the kids go, oh, you're in trouble. You're lazy. And you're like, where did that come from? Now they're disrespecting their dad in front of you. And you realize, hang on a minute, I have influence and I'm not even aware of it. They're repeating back what I've made acceptable in my zone. They are carrying a fragrance on their life that should not be on them. They shouldn't know that. They shouldn't feel that. They shouldn't be burdened down with it. But because I am an influencer, without knowing it, I've let the fragrance permeate my home. And we have to understand that it starts there, that the enemy would love to put stuff on you. He'd love to put upset on you, bitterness on you. He'd love to put somebody just, somebody just annoys you. It's amazing how just something that just annoys you can go on for days and days and years. You know, it, it can just drag on and on and on. And what was just a little squirt becomes this huge aroma that now not is only on you, but it's on your girlfriend and it's on your other girlfriend and it's on that person over there and it's on that person over there because you travel. And so we have to begin to 
recognize that we must take control and we must deal with our influence. Now, I'm going to take you to a story in the Bible where a woman who was an influencer in her home got offended. Everybody say offended. Because one of the things that the enemy loves to do is get you offended. Because if you are offended, then you know what? You might as well say he's won. Because offense is something that will absolutely destroy your life. It may feel good at the time to get the offense in you and through you and vent about it and give it some air. It may feel good at the time, but eventually, ladies, it will cost you way more than you should be paying. And this story is a shocker. Everyone say shocker. I love the Word of God. It has shockers in it. We learned about a little wise lady last night that chopped off heads. Awesome. And now we're going to read this really actually scary story in the Bible to teach us a lesson that we must never forget as God's women who have influence. And it's found in Mark 6 verse 17. Now, it's the story of how John the Baptist lost his head. I like decapitations, I've realized. (laughs) What's what's that about? I'm like, yeah, that preacher likes stories about people losing their head. I did did not make that connection till now. I apologize. (laughs) Obviously, it was what you did around there. They didn't spank you. They cut your head off. (laughs) Thank God we don't live then. But it's the story of how John the Baptist got beheaded. That's a pretty big deal, right? I mean, John the Baptist, this amazing, the one that Jesus said, you know, he's the greatest of the great. You know, he's the most awesome one that prepared the way. He's the, this amazing disciple. And we read about how John the Baptist, this amazing hero of the faith, loses his head. And it's even more astounding if I tell you the reason he lost his head was because of a woman. says this, for Herod himself, verse 17, had given orders to have John arrested and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. So he had him arrested because of a woman whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John, and she wanted to kill him. Ain't nothing like a woman scorned. But she was not able to. This is an amazing story. It makes me goosebump up if we don't get this, girls. Verse 20. She was not able to because Herod feared John. See, he feared John. He understood the, the, the significance of John. So the, the guy that has the power to make the decision, he's like, I, am, I don't want to mess with this dude. The best I'm going to do is I'll at least lock him up to keep you quiet because there ain't nothing more annoying than a nagging wife. <laughs> Listen to me. And some of your husbands right now are doing stuff just to shut you up. And that's not the right reason to do stuff. And so just to keep her quiet, he does something that violates what he knows he should be doing. And he locks this guy up. But that's as far as he wants to go. But she's mad. 
You know when you're mad and when you're offended, it's never enough. And so she's festering. She's not happy. So she wasn't able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and a holy man. But when Herod, when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled by his teaching, and yet he liked to listen to him. Isn't that interesting? That this guy just, even though he didn't want to be around him, he knew there's just something about this I'm not supposed to mess with. There's something about this guy that interests me, that is of, you know, is of God. There's just something about him. He's holy. But listen to this next line. I have it underlined, triple scarred, and highlighted. Verse 21. Finally, the opportune time came. The enemy, just as much as God will give you opportunities, so will the enemy. Don't be thinking that only God provides opportunities. Only his opportunities are not to bless you, but to catch you out. His opportunities are for you to do something with all the stuff you've been holding on to in your heart. His opportunities look like letting you have that moment of revenge, that moment of comeback, that moment where you go, yes. And you serve the flesh instead of die to him. So finally, an opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. In other words, there was a lot of dudes hanging out that Herod wants to impress. This is like the power board. This is like, you know what? He was with his guys. And so he's got them all at this table, all the officials, all the military commanders. And so when the daughter of Herodias... Remember, mothers have influence. When her daughter came in and she danced for them, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. And so Herod, the king, says to the daughter, ask me for anything you want and I will give it to you. You can imagine, can't you? He's like trying to impress all the guys. You know, I'll give you anything, girl. You know, here's this child. Just a child but a child that has an influencer in her world called a mother. Whatever you want, he said, I prom- and he promised her with an oath, I'll give you whatever you ask, I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. Wow, just for dancing. It's a pretty good deal. <laughs> Listen to this, verse 24. She went out and said to her influencer, to her mother, What shall I ask for? Without any hesitation, without let's sit down and think about this girl, this is a big big deal. Without a conversation, without the mother taking a moment to be sobered by this amazing opportunity that they both had, without her thinking about it, the offense spoke. Because right at the opportune time, your offense will find its voice. And without any hesitation, she says to her daughter, the head of John the Baptist. So at once, the girl hurried into the king with the request. I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed. But because of his pride, hello, his oath, his male dinner guests, he didn't want to refuse her. And so he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went 
beheaded John in the prison, brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl and the girl gave it to her mother. Wow. Everybody say, wow. This is the Bible. Okay, this is not me making it up. This is not a fairy tale. This is in the Bible. And I believe by God, it is in the Bible to teach us a very sobering lesson. That this girl was under the influence of this woman who had allowed offense to get on her life. And the story records that she was offended. And it says right there that she began to nurse a grudge. She began to nurse a grudge. The word nurse is a very strong word. The word nurse literally means for you to feed something from your sustenance as a person, to give something of yourself into another life, into another child. When you nurse a baby, you have been storing up those nutrients. You've been storing up all that stuff in your system to pass it on to someone else. And she nursed this grudge like it was a child. She fed it every day. And some of you in here, you have got nursing grudges going on in your life and you, they've become part of you. I mean, that offense has become like a baby to you. You feed it every conversation. You think about it. You follow it on Twitter. <laughs> you Facebook it. You gossip it. You cannot let it go because to you, it's not just an offense anymore. It's a living, breathing part of you. You can't detach yourself from it. Like a baby at a mother's bosom, it is locked on and sucking you dry. It is feeding off your energy. It is feeding off your life. And every night, it's like every night when they went to bed, Herod and Herodias, when they went to bed, they did not go to bed on their own. Oh no, the baby came with them. And every night she would lay the grudge between them on the pillow. And she would begin to in bed say to her husband, you need to do something about that, John. You need to take care of that situation. You know, he's really upset me. If you loved me, if you loved me, you'd have a word with that person. If you loved me, we would leave that church because I'm offended. You know what, if you really cared about me, you know, where are your priorities? You know, you know, you say you've got power and that you're going to be the man of our household. But you know what, if you really love me, you would defend me and you would defend me, you would speak up for me. And every night she would take her grudge to bed and every night she would let it speak and every night she would feed it a little bit more. And in the morning, she would take it down for breakfast and she would give it a seat at the table. And at the table, there wouldn't just be breakfast for her and her husband and her daughter, but there would always be a space for the grudge. And so at breakfast, her daughter would hear her mother's conversations about, well, has Herod been beaten today? You know, have you, have you beaten John today? Is he locked up? When are you going to sentence him? When are you going to do something about it? It would be at the dinner table. And the daughter listens because kids listen. And even though you don't think you're saying it, they know what you're saying. I was in the kitchen with my husband the other day and we were discussing something that we were both handling at work and my, version, my, my way of dealing with it and his way of dealing with it were different. And so we got into this discussion about, you know, this way or that way. And, and at one point, you know, we got heated. 
And we were like, we were, you know, fighting, but I was like, no, I don't think that's right. And he was like, well, you know what, if you do it that way, this is going to happen. And, you know, because believe it or not, we're not perfect when we're up here and we have heated debates. And so we were having a heated debate, thinking that we're just having a, you know, a normal, healthy, discuss it out. And, and from the mouth of my six-year-old came this, will you two stop it? We get told off for that. So why do you get to do it? It's like told off for what? We get told off for arguing. We're not arguing. Yes, you are. Mum, you're going red. <laughs> We're discussing. Well, you need to discuss kinder. It's like, okay. A six-year-old is telling their parents what to do. And the six-year-old is right. Mm-hmm. We have something to learn. Because you don't sometimes realize that people are listening, that people are watching, that people are seeing how you act out on what they know has happened to you. And this grudge was at breakfast, and it was at dinner, and it was in the bedroom, and it was in the car. It went everywhere like it was part of the family. And some of you have made offenses and upsets and, and vendettas. You feel that God owes you to have your say on. You've made them part of your life. And you are just a prime target for the enemy to give you an opportune time. I mean, he just loves it when he can just give you that microphone, that space, that opportunity to have your say. I'll never forget when I was first in ministry and first speaking, there were some things going on in church because how many of you know things go on in church? And people can be really mean. And I was the pastor's kid, and there was just stuff going on. And, you know, even though my parents had not discussed what was going on, I just, you know, you pick up on the vibe that people are not being kind. And because I knew the real story behind what people were saying was different, I was mad because I'm like, I know that didn't happen, that that person's saying. The person was causing trouble. And, and, and I was in ministry, and I was fairly young in ministry, and I spoke every now and again. And on this particular Sunday, I was going to be speaking. So, man, it was my opportune time. I was like, okay. I mean, I had scriptures about how God kills people that speak badly of leaders. I mean, I had passages about lightning bolts coming down, plagues in your bed, fire burning your eyeballs out. I mean, I was ready. I was like, yes. And I remember in my office getting my message ready about all these things that God would do to those that were divisive. And, you know, I was just ready. And, you know, I had a nice pretty title about the peace, protecting the peace. But I, I knew what I was going after. And I remember my father walking past my office and sitting in a chair because he was going away for the weekend. And he said, what are you preaching about on Sunday? I said, oh man, I've got a word. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to say this. I'm going to do this. And I just think it's really what our church needs. And he went, mm-hmm. He went, yeah, you're not speaking on Sunday. <laughs> this is like Friday. I'm like, seriously? Hello? What do you mean? I'm no, you, you will never use this for that. So this is not for that. This is for us to build the church, bless the church, feed the church. It's not for us to have our say in things we feel we've been hardly done to. It's not our place for venting. It's not our place for revenge. It's a place to build the house. You know what? You know what? God will be our vindicator. So, you know, you're off the rotor. You just sit and enjoy church, and I'll put one of the other guys on. I was like, okay, that told me. 
But I thank God, I've never forgotten that, that this is not for that, but the enemy would love to make this for that. And we have people in pulpits preaching all kinds of stuff because they're hurt and they're offended and they feel like they've been hardly treated. And you know what? We can't begin to use our life when God is saying to you, you know what? Deal with it. Get over it. The enemy's saying, speak about it. Get your own way. Have your own say. I mean, it's not fair. I mean, you were offended. And the fact is, you might have been offended. Someone might have said something horrible about you. Your husband might have walked out on you and he might be saying all kinds of things out there in the community about you. And you know what? It's not fair. I know it's not fair. But what's worse is you living your life and using your influence to keep feeding a grudge that the enemy would love you to raise to a full-blown child. He would love you to raise it so it's part of your world. And you know what? God says, I need you to be bigger women because here's the deal. There came an opportune time for them to have their say, but at the same time, there was an opportune time to take up to half of the kingdom. Here's two choices that were presented, half of the kingdom or ahead. And so many times in our journey as Christians, we have the same choice, we just don't understand it, where the enemy would like you to take ahead when God's saying you can have half the kingdom. God's saying you can have influence, you can, have, you can reach your community, you can minister to people, you can take all of that stuff and energy and instead of letting the grudge suck it out of you, use it for good to build something. Imagine if every day her mother had been under the influence of just a, a, a mission in her heart to feed the poor and to restore brokenness and to help the widow and the orphan. Imagine if that was her mother's thing. Imagine if every morning at breakfast they would talk as a family about how today can we rule better? How today can we help more people? When her daughter would get the request, you know, you can have up to half the kingdom, she'd have run to her mum and gone, Mum, this is the day we've been planning for. Do you understand today? And they would have said, Oh my gosh, today we can say we want half the kingdom because we want to feed the widow and we want to help those in need and we want to make some new community changes and we want to make this area livable again because we have the power given to us to do it. But the enemy knows that when the church has half the kingdom opportunities, he wants the offended to speak up. He wants us to spend yet another six months dealing with our offenses. He wants us to spend another six months getting over our hurts. He wants us to have a discussion and a prayer meeting about it and sit with the pastor and the leadership team. And all the while that we are doing that and breeding and nursing and raising the grudge, half the kingdom are going to hell. And this might hurt some of us to do it, but you know what? No pain, no gain. You may feel like you deserve the head. I deserve that person's head on a plate because you don't know what they did to me. But let me ask you this. When you get the head, will you be happy then? I mean, seriously, what are you going to do with it? I mean, I know around these parts you like shooting things and (laughs) sticking them on your wall. And I don't want to offend anyone that has those things on their wall, but seriously, (laughs) you really want to look at a dead moose? I don't know what that's about. It's dead, people. It has no body. We once went to a friend of ours' home, a pastor's home, 
and he had a dead zebra in his office, zebra. <laughs> My son went in that office, came running out, sheet white. He goes, Mom, there's a zebra in the pastor's office. And you know what? They took its legs away so it can't escape. <laughs> I was like, yes, they did. They took its legs away so it can't escape. <laughs> Question. If you didn't like that person's head when it was on their shoulders, <laughs> why in the world would you want it on your kitchen wall? And some of you have a life full of ugly heads on your wall. You have a trophy cabinet of pastor's heads. Yeah, I took that one down. Yeah, I got that person out of ministry. Yeah, I took that worship leader right out. Yeah, yeah, I just got word going on the street that they just don't care enough. And you know what? They quit because they were just, you know, worn out. You got me to thank for that. It's on my wall. Yeah, you know that sister? I took her right out. I taught her a thing or two. She's on my living room wall. You know what? You don't want a trophy cabinet of the offenses that you've taken down when you could have up to half the kingdom. Seriously. Some of you need to understand the energy that you are putting into nursing that baby. God wants to take the same energy and grow a ministry through you and grow something awesome through your life and take that same effort and, and resourcefulness and that same feeding potential that you have to feed people that don't know that they're loved and don't know they have a home and don't know that they belong. God says that's what awaits you. That's the fruit that you can have. But if you settle for a head on a wall, you will miss out on the joy of half the kingdom. And I don't want to build that kind of life. I don't want to build that kind of life. I don't want to look at that head any more than I have to. And so I'm telling you this morning, I have come to tell you, I've flown all this way to tell you, some of you are going to have to drop the baby. Now see, that seems really cruel. She just threw a baby on the floor. And some of you, it's going to be really hard because to you, it's become part of your family. To you, it is like a child. I mean, you mean I have to stop dissing him to the kids? You mean I have to stop talking that way about what happened? You mean I have to like, just let him or her just like, go about their life like they didn't hurt me? Yeah, I do. Because you can't do anything about it. God can. I'm going to ask the keyboard player if we've got one to come out here. But you know, God can do something about it. You know, God will always take care of the things that we can't take care of. God will vindicate you. God will be your protector. God will be your covering. God will be someone that speaks up for you when you keep your mouth shut. God will bring up things that sort situations out. But if we don't trust God with it, we take it in our own hands and we try and take heads off all over the place. And I just know as women that we are designed. You know, I, I firmly believe this, that if a woman 
is offended and if a man is offended, if the man is offended in a church, then normally if the woman's not offended, nothing much changes. But if a woman is offended in a church, you guarantee it, not only will she leave, but she'll pull out her husband and all the children with her. And I have seen too many backslidden children that trace back to an offended mother. And I don't want that on my card. I don't want my reactionary offended spirit to wipe out a destiny for my children. And this mother wiped out an opportunity for her daughter. Her daughter didn't want a head. What's a teenager going to do with the head of a guy she doesn't even know? She didn't, need it. she didn't want a head. That's why she gave it straight to her mum. Right, okay, here's what you asked for. And this story frightens me in a good way. That God, do not let me squander half the kingdom for a head. So this morning, I'm telling you, and I'm asking you, and I'm appealing to you, and I'll even beg, get over it. Oh, I've been abused. You know what? I'm not minimizing any pain. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but you are keeping yourself in the prison whilst you keep feeding the offense. You've got to move forward. You've got to let yourself out of the jail. He left you. You know what? I'm sorry. I really am. But you must move on for your future and the future of all those people that are following after you because you're their influencer. You're the mama. And we want mama happy because then everybody can be happy. I want us to stand to our feet. And we're just going to do something really simple and yet it's very significant. Because I know in a room like this, this message will land in all of our lives differently and yet it has a meaning in all of our lives. Because some of us have been offended and we've seen the carnage of going for a head. Some of us right now are offended and we can stop it from getting to where it needs to go. And some of us right now are at an opportune time where you have a decision to make. And today God's going to rescue you if you let him to make a decision that will give half a kingdom to you and your children instead of a head. I don't know where this finds you, but God does. So I just want us to close our eyes. Just close your eyes. Just zone in for a moment on your zone, on your area, on this thing in your life. This baby that you are feeding, this hurt, this pain. It can be small, it can be large, but you know what it is. That girlfriend that's upset you, that friendship that is messed up, that relationship with your parents, that broken marriage, that thing in the church that you've let get on you, that attitude towards that leader, that whatever it is. If you know that you are nursing a baby, however infantile it is, however much it's grown, but you know that you are feeding it. Some of you once a day, some of you three times. If you know I, I am nursing it and God, I don't want it to get any bigger. I don't want to carry it anymore. I don't want 
to have a head. I want half a kingdom. If you're saying today that that is where this finds you, then I'm going to pray in a moment for all of us that feel that they want to move forward. I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're saying, I want to get over this. I mean, you really mean it, which means that you're going to have to change your conversation. Some of you are going to have to stop following people on Twitter. Some of you are going to have to stop ringing certain friends. Some of you have to change your company. Some of you are going to go say sorry. Some of you have to go put some stuff right. Some of you are going to have to go to someone and say, I have so made a mistake. I am sorry. I, I, I made you the enemy and you are not. Some of you are going to have to do something because you can't just pray these prayers and then carry on as normal. You're going to have to change. You're going to have to own it. But if you're saying, I own it today and I really want this out of my life, then as a sign to God that you're going to drop that baby, I want you, as it were, to lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Because your hands right now are empty. And I want that empty-handed palm that's lifted to heaven to say, God, I drop it. I, I give this to you. I give the offense to you. I give the hurt to you. I give all that stuff that has got in my spirit to you. I don't want to be a, a person that carries it around anymore. I don't want to pass it to my children. I don't want to have it in my home. I don't want to lead with it in my spirit. I don't want to teach with it in my heart. I want it off me. I want it away from me. I don't want a head. I want half the kingdom. I don't want to do harm. I want to reach more people. I don't want to live in a prison of offense. I want to move into the areas that you have for my life. I don't want to be someone that is looking for an opportune time for revenge. I want to be someone that's looking for the people that we are yet to reach. God, lift my eyes, lift my heart, lift my confession. God, clean my hands. God, let the baby, as it were, die. Let it not be a part of my life anymore. Father, I pray right now by your Spirit, because by your Spirit, you can do things that we cannot. And your Spirit is here this morning to enable every willing pair of hands to let go. And I pray in Jesus' name that right now in this moment, that a weight would be lifted, that a burden would come off these people that belong to you. I pray that the offense would be lifted, that the baby would be dropped, that that thing that is gripping on them and feeding from them would starve to death. I pray today that we had a room full of people that say enough is enough. I will not feed it anymore. I will not let it live anymore. I get it out of my spirit. God, lift it, lift it, lift it in Jesus' name. Come on, come on. Yes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now listen to me. By the Spirit of God, I want to say something to some of you in here. Because you're not going to be feeding it anymore, you're going to create room. Now, don't fill the room that you create with stuff too quickly, okay? You're going to get off following that person. Don't fill it with other stuff. You're going to stop talking about the situation. Don't fill it with other stuff because the space you create is space for God to begin to breathe something new in your life. Some of you are going to have hours of time <laughs> on your hands. Some of you are going to cancel appointments that you've set up this week to talk to someone about your offense. You're going to cancel it. 
And instead of canceling it and going and hanging out with your girlfriends, cancel it and spend some time praying. Say, God, it's out of my life. I've made a step. Now, now this hour that was set to talk about it, I'm going to talk to you about my future instead. I'm not going to feed it anymore. Just don't fill the space with stuff. Create some room. Some of you are going to say to that girlfriend, I can't come for lunch with you because I know it's going to come up. And I'm trying to move forward and that lunch is not going to help me because you know they pull you back into the conversation. You're just going to have to say it. And some people might say, well, you're being rude and are you dissing me as a friend? No, I'm not dissing you as a friend. You just need to help me get out of this mindset. And so I can't come for coffee because it always comes up when we have coffee. I just need some space. I need some space to reprogram till I'm stronger and then we're going to do coffee and you're going to get a new improved friend. And and we're going to plan some stuff as friends over coffee instead of cry over coffee. You're going to have to do something today about this. You're going to have to make some changes. You're going to have to own your zone about this and do some stuff. And I'm going to tell you in this room, by the declaration of the Holy Spirit, there are new ministries that will be born because of the result of this. There are women in here that are going to do stuff that you never thought possible because you're going to release the time to do something different with your time for the kingdom of heaven. And I am excited about what right now is keeping you prisoned. I'm excited about the freedom you're about to experience, the lightness that you're going to feel because it does not belong to you. There are awesome, awesome things ahead for you as an influencer for the kingdom. Girlfriend, do not let the enemy give you a baby to feed when you can have a kingdom of God to inherit. Amen and amen.